Ask the GMs, episode 32, New Year's Resolution and Game System. Good evening, this is Ask the GMs with Zach speaking. Welcome you back to our great podcast where we talk about RPGs and board games. Throwing it over to Sean. Yeah, well, it's the end of the year, it's time to make those resolutions. I'm going to throw it over to uh, Brian there. Hey everybody, uh, yeah, it's the end of the year and uh, I'm actually breaking a resolution by making a resolution tonight, uh, so that's fun. I will toss it to Lindsay. Good for you, Brian, and Happy New Year, everyone. It is time for resolutions, so I'm excited to make some with you guys tonight. I'm going to pass it over to Pat. Happy New Year, everybody. I'm glad that everyone's back with us. Um, I don't know if I've thought long and hard about any resolutions, but, uh, you know, we'll figure it out together. (laughs) (laughs) We're professional here, Lindsay. Jesus. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. Very long. No, no, not at all. Um, also before we, uh, carry on into this evening's episode, I'd like to give a shout out to Kate fear games as always. Thank you for being the store and business that we call home for our RPG, uh, trading card game and board game and war game uh, hobbies. Um, so if you haven't checked them out yet, go ahead and check them out. All right, Zach, you want to take us into the, the theme of this episode? Yep, this is our end of year episode, so we're going to do a two part topic. One is going to be our RPG slash board game resolutions for the following year, i.e., the year that's coming up. And then we're going to do what are RPG systems about when we boil them down to their core components? What are we looking at? So for me, when it's speaking about New New Year's resolution, I want to focus on either playing more games and understanding more games. One problem I've noticed is I tend to be fast. I tend to focus action more, more often with my players. And I think I need to take a step back and let the players develop and RP more. I tend to be kind of cracking the whip, and that's one goal I want to kind of resolve in the next year of be willing to pull my reins back instead of whipping the players forward. But I'll leave that to my fellow players and fellow game masters to let me know what I'm doing wrong, passing it on to Sean. Well, we have the whip marks to prove it, though. Um. (laughs) I was going to say, is Zach telling us to put the lotion on the skin? It puts the lotion in the bath. Or else you get the hose again. Maybe it's that riding crop he carries around with. Oh, yeah, that explains that. (laughs) And the six-inch heels. But, hey, that's another story. Come down to the store and see. It's always impressive, the heels. It's always impressive. (laughs) I just meant more that, like, we finished masks in less than a year with one group. And that means I kind of sped it along versus letting the campaign breathe, letting it run. I'm a kind of person that likes to keep the the ball moving, and sometimes I need to know to like let it let it lie and let the players deal with it and advance with it. I'll tell you what, it's more terrifying when you let it lie, because I swear the scariest part of that was being in China and not knowing what the hell we were doing. It's like no clue. <laughs> well, it's also like the scariest section of the campaign, because, like, hey, guys, the gloves are super-duper off. In fact, I replaced them with brass knuckles. I was like, the gloves were on before? <laughs> I was like, shit. 
here we go. Well, Lindsay, your group got to at least have an artillery strike. Sean's group had to go like assholes and imbles, assholes and elbows into the volcano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we lucked out. We lucked How about, out. How about a workout? Oh, man. Yeah. And also, we uh, also found like nuclear material that we brought back to the hotel room with us. <laughs> Where we all experience radiation sickness. That was fun. I was going to say, like, you slept with it? Like, you slept around it? <laughs> well, just did. I'm sure it was fine. The rest of us got a little sick and threw up some, but I think she actually had hair starting to fall out. Oh, good. See? Fine. Yeah, I think she had, like, negative 40 to mini checks. Jeez. Yep. But, yeah, New Year's. I mean, a lot of new games coming out and such. Um, also, a lot of older games that, you know, not older games, but other games that need to be played as well. RuneQuest being one of them. We keep talking about it, but we haven't really, we've made a lot of characters, but we haven't ever started playing it yet. So, Sean, is that your resolution? Um, I don't know about that. Um, I, I would just say you know, to have more games going on. I know, like, RC has games that he wants to run. You have stuff you want to run. Stuff I have stuff I want to run. Stuff. So, I mean, I think it's a matter of us working our schedules to get games out there being played. And so that's sort of my resolution. Get I'm the ready. games on the table. <laughs> I'm ready to play a tough person. I know from my perspective, I have, like, three games I'm in terms of, like, ready to run, ready to run. Well, I know RC is hung up on um, Settlers of a Dead God campaign for OSE. I am definitely an anxious to run Shadow Dark, which, Lindsay, you'll be glad to know, you can choose to play a dog, a duck, or a pig, even, <gasps> in the game. Yes. And such. Um, the, yeah, the dogs, the dogs uh, worship... Um, a um, three-headed pug named Puggerus. <laughs> I love it. Sold. Yep. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> and then the pigs are have a special class called the Destroyer. <laughs> and the, all all the ducks are cigar smoking. So yes. Howard's being represented. Now is that the Destroyer versus Ganondorf? <laughs> um, let's see. The class of destroyer is for the um, pigs, which speak porkish and the old version of pork. And um, they they have the um, ability to shake off a wound instead of dying, I mean, kind of thing. But they get to roll on a special crit table and stuff. And things like you know, oh, the arrow passed right through your heart and is lodged there. Keep fighting until you pull the arrow out and then bleed to death in three rounds. <laughs> And this kind of thing. All right. But the ducks have a special class called the Adventurer. I believe it is. The dogs also have a religious order called St. Cuddy. Which, no, that's, I'm sorry, that's the ducks that have St. Cuddy. The dogs, as I said, Puggeris and 
It's a three-headed dog with one head for naps, one head for chasing vehicles, and another head for chewing valuable items. That's so good. So for me, it was getting some more time for my players to RP. For Sean, it was more games overall. Lindsay, what is your New Year's resolution? Um, definitely play. Um, I think I I want to play. I know you, we were just talking about, um, before we started recording. I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, playing some more Delta Green because I love Delta Green. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. I have a bunch of characters in my head that I. I also want to play. Um, I really want to play Pendragon um, at some point. That just is exciting for me because um, I love Knights on Shoot and I love Lithorian Legends, so I'm all about that. But I also want to run something, I think. I think I'd really like to run, I know um, Candela Obscura, just the source book just came out, um, and I'd kind of like to run it just to see, just to see what it's like. Um, I've been studying up and I think it would be fun to, to run um, something that I think I cared to run <laughs> like a Call of Cthulhu game or anything like that. Um, I'd like to run a Candela Obscura game. Solution. So basically for me is more games, please. And, um, <laughs> and, and maybe running one at some point for, for well, all of us. You're around a big group that is pretty open to playing games. I do have a decent Delta Green campaign ready to run. I just got stuff in front of it. And I got you Candela Obscura, so I'm not against you running it. I bought it for you for a reason. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm studying up, so hopefully I can run something. How about this Pat guy? What are you ready for? This Pat guy? Well, so just off the top of my head, um, as far as like... I'd like to try more settings than horror and fantasy because that's what we've been playing a lot lately. I'd like to find something to play in sci-fi because um, be it 40K or Traveler, uh, Traveler or um, Starfinder or whatever. I just I want to play something in sci-fi. I feel like it kind of it opened me up for more role-play options because, you know, we're all modern-minded people, so it'd be easy to role-play somebody that's more modern-minded as well, versus, you know, fantasy people. It's like, oh, they only know such and such. I can't bring my modern ideas back into fantasy. Um, something I would like to run is, I would like to run something in the Savage Worlds setting, specifically Deadlands. Um, I kind of want to do a homebrew kind of thing because something that was just tickling my fancy i was uh ike setting and like just woodland critters you know and i was like okay what if i just applied deadlands to that so it's like woodland cowboys yes i want to play that so bad so root root desperados yeah root desperados and i'm i'm kind of in the middle of like world crafting theory crafting i'm like i love a player to play a raccoon and just be a trash panda or somebody playing a possum that's just got narcolepsy yeah. falling asleep all the time a mole person that's friggin' blind that has like really thick bottle cap glasses um and so i'm just kind of 
got that on the back burner. I was in the middle of making some uh, um, woodland creatures for it and kind of thinking like, okay, something that is kind of baked in in Western settings is there's a lot of horses. And, you know, it's just, you know, the people and the animals and their world. Um, and I was like, well, I can't have this uh, mouse um, gunslinger riding on a horse. That'll look funky. So I was thinking maybe make insects like the animals and stuff. Also, I had a cool idea, um, like a lightning bug in their lanterns. I don't know. That sounds neat to me. <laughs> and for the listeners that don't know, uh, Pat tried to make a very good conversion for Star Wars to Pulp Cthulhu. And he put a lot of work into it. So Pat is very dedicated when he's brewing these ideas. Yeah. Because uh, Emmett, Emmett Otter's Jug Band. <laughs> oh, yes. you're going you're gonna to play a, um, uh, a jug for us <laughs> and a washing board, Sean? Hell yeah. Like spoons? Hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. I'm going to, I want to play uh, Gun House now. Oh, yeah. And uh, I, what I really like about the Savage World settings is the simplicity in gameplay. So you're in the action, you're in the role play, and anybody can do it, you know? Um, but other than getting games in that setting, um, I'd like to GM a few more games myself. I, I know Zach is our uh, resident forever GM, and I'd like to give him a break from that and some of the other fellows and GM myself. And uh, that's all I got. Brian, what are some uh, New Year's resolutions for you there, bud? So mine are more board game-esque than RPG. Obviously, RPG is constantly improving. Um, so that isn't really a resolution because it's more of a mindset. Um, my, uh, I, have, I have two... Uh, one is to uh, win a game of uh, TI4, which I was very close to doing the last time we played. Um, maybe not very, but I was close enough. And um, my second one is going to be not to annoy everybody with my excitement over the new Witcher game, Path of Destiny, that's coming out, because <laughs> I'm excited. Well, Pat, it's like Pat. Well, Brian, I can help you come in second in TI anytime you want. <laughs> we'll we'll okay, get him next time, Brian. We'll get him next time. There's going to be a game plan next time. I highly doubt that. I watched you guys fumble all around it. We didn't really have one. And I'm sorry, I was in the literal desert of space. You mean space Detroit? It's like, oh, it's nothing, nothing. <laughs> Nothing, 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 and maybe sure. a, nebu- a ne- maybe <laughs> nebula. Yeah. Oh, hey. No, yeah, the nebula I- was over by Pat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Brian and Sean were uh, sitting in space dumpsters out there. Yeah, we were in the old west because there was nothing around. Well, I had like five planets right in front of me, and not one of them had resources. <laughs> My great planet resource is dirt, dirt, and dirt I can fuck, but dirt. Yep. Giant kitty litter boxes. So, so, so Dune. <laughs> Arrakis. Except for, like, no one cares about... 
his dirt. Yeah. He yeah. doesn't have the good dirt. Not the there was no dirt. spice in my dirt. <laughs> now, there is a guy that does cartoons, uh, and he likes to draw a lot of pugs doing Doom. <laughs> so he always has pugs in Freeman suits with blue eyes, the little nose, those caps and stuff. Oh, damn. I'm going to Google this right quick while y'all are doing it's, that. It's um, a cartoonist named Graham. He gets on Instagram by the name of Grickle. So I know we danced about it, but how do we feel about the approaching sixth edition of D&D? That just means that's five editions that I don't play now when that one comes out. <laughs> well... Zach, I got this question for you because you're more in the know than I am at the moment. Um, what are some hooks that they've put out for you to go like, oh, that looks cool? As in, like, if you already play, as in if you already play fifth edition? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's like here's what we improved. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's less violent. Uh, that's a selling point. Uh-huh. It's um you, you, you can buy the core books again. Yay, cool. Yeah. They're com- they're compatible with fifth edition, so you wouldn't have to, but they'd want you to. Okay. okay. There are vegan options in all the food lists. No, that's from Radiant <laughs> Citadel, which I have to give my copy away, but let's not get into that super hippy dippy mega woke book. <laughs> it's it's one more step closer to Disney D and D. See, I would play a Kingdom Hearts RPG. I would play that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's not that cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. It's more. Yeah, there's no Sephiroth. Well, it's more funny. like Incado D and D, or you know. <laughs> I got to hold back my urge to do the one winged angel tune. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I know for me, like nothing has super sold me. Like they made some good fixes. Like I'm not going to be like, they did everything horrible. Like, no, they made some good changes, but if everything's compatible with fifth edition, why would I buy a new book? Yeah. Question. The main question. I mean, Honestly, what if they just did like this? Is they didn't do? Do they actually call it sixth edition or no? Okay, so if they just said, "Hey, D and D updated," here's the updated core books. Like that'd that's, be okay. that's what they're calling it. Okay, it's kind of like when 40k for Games Workshop went to tenth edition and ninth edition. And in ninth edition, they said there wasn't an edition, and then all the players just called it ninth edition. Uh, uh so it's one of those. They wanted the they they want it to be a not edition change, edition change, because it hurts their bottom line. But that's what it is. Like, there's no sugarcoating it. There are things like no half races. Are they not referred to as half races? Anymore? Yeah, no, they. They basically went to ancestries versus races. So you can't be a half elf. You can be like a half elf. You can be an elf with something else. I'm like, isn't that a half half elf? Maybe, maybe not. And you can't say things like 
the barbaric orcs came down from the hills and burnt the village. It's more like, no, that barbaric band of bandits who happened to be orcs came down from the hills and burnt the village. Or, you know, you can have enslavers versus slavers because that's somehow different. So they're, they're just playing semantics. It and... sounds like slavery with extra steps. Yes, exactly. As soon they're... as there's slavery in there, that's pretty much it. Like, that's. Whoa, 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 whoa. They're enslavers, not slavers. Oh, okay. In, instead but of that's... slaves, they're, they're thralls? That's they're thralls. Slavery? What's going on? I don't know. Aggressive indentured servants. Um, Aggressive. <laughs> your indentured servant with no choices. <laughs> Unpaid interns heard. Brian, what was that one about the like the one in the orphanage? Wasn't like a like a child slavery ring. It's just it's just the thieves go like one of those things is not like the other. <laughs> Yeah, it was yeah. it was definitely like oh yeah they uh it, it's the thieves guild but um you know they run out of an orphanage that they in you know utilize services for free out of the children out of the children yeah and slavery like, yeah, yeah it used to be a slavering in like an orphanage it's like we're just gonna relabel it to thieves guild like they're not the same thing guys it's not the same it's not the same. Because so, when I think of Thieves Guild, I think of the American South. Not, you know, <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein. Lord. Don't, Don't get me started, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just got done playing Alex Jones. <laughs> yeah, those girls were paid. Come on. Does <laughs> no. so Dragons supporting Jeffrey Epstein? Maybe. Well, yeah, slavery is a no-no thing. No alignment. Really? That's, yep. That doesn't seem right. It's one of those things where, like, hey, guys, D&D is trapped in a certain century. Whether that century be 13th or, like, 8th is hard to argue with. But there are plenty of races that are slave races in that setting, and there are plenty of races in that setting that are enslavers. The drow specifically. Drow, dwerger. Yeah. You know. Races that are known to like literally raid the surface world and drag people down as slaves. Like you can't escape it. Is that wrong? Yes. Is that a part of study? Yes. Can well, you see, change it now? Kinda awkward. Well, I think the whole over overarching thing is is they're trying to homogenize everything and get rid of all the evil taboo things in in our normal world out of the game world. But whenever they do that, that's the foil for which our characters are trying to be heroic and fight against. So if you take away all the bad and the evil, then is there such a thing as good? You know. Well, what are we doing here? You know? Well, that's the issue with uh, Journeys from the Radiant Citadel. Uh, there is no economy. There is no want. There is no need. Then why are there adventures? Yeah. What is the purpose? Because they're bored. Clearly, if everything, if there's no needs, they're clearly bored. If you've already, if you've already made the utopian society, why are there adventures? Well, it comes down to like the Star Trek theory. I was about to say it's like Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. 
and stuff. Why is Star Trek exploring? But there, then you need to change it to we aren't adventurers, we are explorers, explorers. you know, ambassadors, yeah. you know, defenders of our utopia and stuff, and change your adventures to that type of, of yeah. mode. But my thing that. with like the alignment thing is that D has always been about playing not a simulation, but archetypes. It's, you know, the heroic fighter, the, you know, faithful priest, the sly rogue, and things like that. And it's not a simulation game like, you know, Call of Cthulhu or Stormbringer or something where you have, you know, percentage chances to hit and stuff like that. Really, in D&D, combat is supposed to just, was originally, the idea was combat was bad. You only got into fights if you had to, I mean, if you could win them. And alignment is part of that, you know. It's a basic behavior thing to hold up and say, this is what I'm expecting out of the character. Because of the greater cosmology of D&D and the push to remove alignment, which has happened a lot recently, I don't get why it exists. Because the greater cosmology clearly indicates, no, alignment does matter. There are all these additional planes where your soul goes based on your alignment. You can't then retroactively remove remove it from like the base prime material plane when all the outer planes care about it. It's it's a weird argument. It really is. It'd be and like also, it'd be like arguing, hey, karma doesn't matter till you die. And then it matters. Like then it matters all the time. Yeah. Also things like Detect good, detect evil, protection from evil, protection from good. You know. Now I can see saying, if they wanted to, to say, "Hey, look, orcs, goblins, hobgoblins, bugbears, etc., etc., all the humanoid races. This is the common alignment that we find in them. But that does not mean that every single member is of that alignment." And you can't just go in with the idea that they're all an evil race and must be destroyed. You have to evaluate the persons and the situations individually and not just be like, oh, it's goblins. We're going to go in, cut all their throats and take their stuff kind of thing. Right. But yeah, I could see saying that, but you don't yeah, have definitely. to get rid of alignment to do that. If they wanted to say also, hey, we're going to remove evil alignment as a playable alignment. It's only for NPCs. A lot of people would have something to say about that, I think, think, and stuff. But at the same time, I could see it as a move to make the game stay more in the heroic vein. Well, the part the, the problem with that argument is the fact that people use alignment as a crutch as like to defend their actions versus it should like sh- like shade their actions. Yeah, it should determine your actions, but not uh, you know be used as an excuse it's for bad actions. It, it should be like, a, I mean, in my opinion, it, it's a spectrum, you know, like many other things in life. And your actions in the game, like, probably should impact your alignment. If you make a decision to murder somebody in cold blood, that sounds like an evil action. So, you know, you're, you know, you're going to have this kind of modifier for this amount of time unless you atone for it. I don't know. Like, 
And that's fine. And like Brian, you're not wrong about that. I just think RuneQuest and Pendragon cover that topic better in terms of passions, where like your character is passionate about certain things. And if oh. those come up, like you're like almost bound to them. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's having passion that passions about certain things would affect your actions as alignment is supposedly supposed to. And it doesn't. It's like, hey, I'm super neutral. I mean, I'm kind of in the middle of the road. Like, it's not fucking helpful, man. There's well, so many, so many alignments. It's so, you know what I mean? It's kind of hard to, anyway. One thing with the alignment system is the multiple alignments didn't come out until AD&D, first edition. And, you know, lawful good, lawful neutral, lawful evil, neutral, blah, blah, blah. Chaos the, the, nine, the nine pyramid or whatever. Right. But the thing is, at that time when it came out, there was a whole thing where literally the GM was supposed to keep a scale where like, oh, you violated your alignment, so I'm going to move you move towards the evil side, you know, or I'm going to move you more to the good side because you did some really heroic things, even though you claim to be neutral, lawful, neutral, I'm going to move you more towards the lawful good or and so and if you violated your alignment enough to actually change alignments where you shifted over so far or performed an act so glorious or so heinous that there was no choice but to change your alignment then things would happen like i think the average penalty was like 60,000 xp's deducted from the character um clerics paladins lost all spellcasting abilities and such until either atone or they made a new agreement and as a cleric with a new god, or the paladin just accepted being a fighter for the rest okay. of his career and stuff. So, I mean, there was a system in there, but previously to that, um, Lindsay, in the older versions, and also in the basic and expert versions, and which is now shown up in like OSE, you only have three alignments, lawful, neutral, and chaotic. Okay. Which they leave out the good and evil per se. Yeah, yeah. They base it more on your altruistic behavior. A lawful person is going to worry about others. A neutral person is going to worry about what's best in the situation, and a chaotic person is going to worry about only themselves. What's best for them? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Lindsay and Pat. Mm -hmm. Yes. I'm going to spoil part of uh, Children of Fear. Okay. Okay. There is an alignment tracker in Children of Fear. Oh, really? Oh. That makes sense for that. The, particular... the keeper is supposed to track part of that. And at a certain point, you're going to cross a threshold and you're going to see a certain event based on your moral choices. So. <laughs> So the whole time we, we were playing, you were keeping track of that kind of thing. Correct. Okay. That's kind of cool. I enjoy that. And if you were like particularly awful, like the scene would be like, oh, man, this looks like hell. It's like, yeah, maybe you shouldn't be like a sex shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, that kind of tracks for that campaign because yeah, karma, well, right? Yeah. Yeah. It makes no. sense. Buddhism, karma, yeah. Tibetan Buddhism, yeah. 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 Super yeah. tracks. But it also, I could see that even being, though, a model for something to do 
in even a game like D and D. You know, like the DM should you know make events happen that happen because of your choices. Oh yeah, no, it you know it's consequences basically consequences of your actions. Yeah. Well, one could argue it's like the murder hobo problem. It's like, what you gonna do? Send an army at you? Yeah. Yep. You got enough people? No, they're just gonna hire people. They're gonna hire mercenaries, and they're gonna. But here's the thing, also that the problem D and D has is the power level. In of course. The sense of a ninth level fighter, say, who has probably close to a hundred hit points, kind of thing. Even in old school D and D, a plus two weapon. Yeah, magical weapons, armor, and stuff like that. If he decides that I'm just going to do what I want in town and and kill innocent people and stuff like that, the city guard isn't going to be able to do jack shit to it. Bunch of zero or first level fighters, here's, he's going to mow them down and just add to his reputation. Which so, leads to, which leads to the like the DM problem. Like even Gary did it. Like, aha, we've got a holy avenger and a a vorpal sword. Yeah, um, Fazer Blue just sends those all to hell and says they don't exist anymore. Suck my dick, see you later. Or what I would do is like, yeah, the Lady of Pain shows up and just like wrecks your character. Yeah. I'm going to hit her. But, like, it's like, you can hit her all you want. It doesn't do anything. But see, that's the thing, though, is like in games like Call of Cthulhu, RuneQuest, Pendragon, you start acting like a shit and make everybody hate you. You know, a bunch of, you know, guardsmen show up with, you know, pole arms and stuff like that, they can ruin your day in a heartbeat. Or, you know, hey, I told Nerlathot if I'd pay him back for this and I didn't. What's the worst that can happen? It's like, uh, he fucking flays your soul for a million years? Yeah. Oh, you did that? You got thrown in prison. Congratulations. Cool. Great. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. I'll sit. You got thrown into the 1920s prison. Yeah. And also, depending on the setting, that might not even be, like, an American prison. Yeah. No. Like, you got thrown into, like, 1920s, you know, Turkish prison. And it's not like, it's not like you have any, especially with, say, Call of Cthulhu or something like that, you don't have, like, if you have two or three guards coming after you, or two or three police, I mean, you don't have the Don't you mean, like, have... One guy, one guy with like a switchblade. One guy with a yeah, one guy with a pitchfork. Like it doesn't like you don't have the ability to. You're going to prison <laughs> unless you can somehow finagle your or way out of it, or you're going to die trying or not that. to, or that you know, yeah, and stuff. And like you said, you know, other country prisons like in Turkey, the punishment for drunk driving used to be they handcuffed you to a ten foot chain behind a jeep. Because the police drove jeeps in Turkey at the time, like the 1950s and 60s, and you were handcuffed to that. And the driver, the cop, would put it into first gear, never take it out of first gear, but they would drive you outside of town about 20 miles, put it into first gear, and then you had to run to keep up with the jeep. But they did not stop whether you were running or falling down. So you might get dragged for 20 miles. That's kind of thing. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, there are really cruel punishments out there, even. I mean, yeah, it's all about setting, too. Like, that's the problem with D&D is, like, you get certain power levels, like, what you gonna do is, like, I guess I'm throwing you in the abyss. What's, like, I'm literally gonna surround you with stuff that will just wreck you if you don't even try. Or drop you in the, like, ethereal space, where you're just gonna float for eternity. 
<laughs> and that's the problem. It's like, it's like, what is the game master's response? I guess I drop a house on you. Yeah, the blue bolt of lightning, as they used to call it. Does anyone have anything about new D and D or New Year's resolutions before we move on to the next topic? Nope. No. Okay, our next topic is what are RPG systems about? This is the Marcus Aurelius approach of like, we're going to distill what each system is down to its very, very basic level. And I mean like super microscopic. Uh, Starting with D&D, my argument is it's about investment. You're investing in skills, you're investing in abilities, you're investing in gear. Whatever you're investing is, is what's going to propel you to your next goal. And then through that, you're going to get more gear, more powers and abilities. What does everyone feel about that? Um, it's definitely a, a system where, like you said, you kind of want to of items and feats and gear and experience. It's very much, I want all the good, you know, and, um, I think as far as uh, a system and just kind of the overall air of D&D is you want to be that larger-than-life hero or villain, depending on how you play. And um, there's nothing going to be mundane about your character, I don't think. Even if if you, like me and Zach were talking about earlier, play a, a monk or a ranger... Um, you know, you're still going to be better than any random farmer in town kind of deal. So I, I, I think as far as the system, it's, it's all about being larger than life. The new system's definite. I think it's more about, you know, superheroes trying to almost become gods kind of thing. Now, in the early days, it was resource management, and it was about farmers becoming heroes kind of thing. You didn't start off any better than a farmer kind of thing. So, But it was definitely about resource management. How many torches you have, how much food you have, how much water, how many poles, how many iron spikes to keep the doors open. Because all the doors would automatically close those in the dungeons and stuff like that. But in modern D&D, it's definitely more about obtaining power. And Brian? Um, if we're taking the Marcus Aurelius stoic approach to D&D, I, I think you're pretty close, um, if not spot on. Um, D&D to me was, maybe it's because I didn't jump, you know, I have less experience in that. Uh, oh, I just had the word and I don't remember it anymore. It was... But I think investment is right. It you know, it, you want to invest in the right. Like when you get you know, a feat, or you know, when you have the ability to like get some cool gear. It's all about investing and upgrading what you have. And Lindsay. Yeah, I think investment is a pretty apt descriptor. I mean, you are <clears throat> working as a team, attempting to become more powerful. I mean, trying to get to that next level where you can get more spell slots or I just had a thought in my head and it went away. I got, I caught it from Brian. (laughs) 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 Thanks, Brian. Um, I mean, I think investment is pretty, pretty. 
I had something else in mind and it has it has flown out of my brain. Not not a different word per se, but I think it was just a, to that. And now I I can't remember what it was, so <laughs> I'm sorry guys, but no, I think I think invest it's it's out. It's getting to the next to the next level and the next and goal, the next boss, the next yeah, ability, getting to the, the next, next power. yeah, the next whatever, you know, threshold. Yeah. It's about evolution. It's about moving up. It's about I'm a Gen 1 Pokemon. Now I'm a Gen 2 Pokemon. Yeah. Like Zach, I'm glad you said that. So I was going to say the same thing. Cuz like cuz I yeah, remember mine like, now. You know. Oh, okay, Brian. Well, I'm just yeah, so evolution, I think it was my my addendum there. It's kind of like Now I'm a fucking Gengar. Dream eater, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's about, it's about, yeah. It's about evolving. Growing. Yes, evolving. Yeah. I don't mean to cut you off, Lindsay, and I apologize. But I got really excited because I remembered. No, go, go, Um, go, before you forget. So mine was actually more like creativity um, because, as we discussed earlier, like you weren't really supposed to just like go around like upgrading and murdering people. There, and a lot of, Dungeons it has more, you know, thinky problems than smashy problems. Um, so being able to to creatively come up with a solution or like intuitively know like, oh, I need to put this ring on that I found two rooms ago so that I can see this one thing to move forward or to avoid the traps is um, that would be a that would that would be my asterisk would be. Creativity. To, yeah, like being creative for problem solving. No, definitely. That is a huge part of it. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Moving on to the next system to talk about, we're going to talk about RuneQuest. My argument is distilled down, it's about faith. It's about directly interacting with faith, like touching faith, touching God, touching the good book, whatever the book is for you and your character, because RuneQuest is about a lot of different faiths. And it's about your faith and everyone else's faith and how they interact from it. You pulling from it, you putting it out in the world, and then how your passions can positively and negatively affect you, your community, your family, and the world itself. What does everyone feel about that? Um, from w- what I little know of RuneQuest, because you know we, we went through character creation, I would say faith and magic being like just really baked into the world, but I guess magic is part of faith, so they're one and the same in that world. It pretty much was kind of baked out throughout your whole character sheet whenever we're creating the character. I think it it was the passions, if I'm right, about yeah. how you know how your character was passionate about this god or that god and then they hated this event in life and yep. so on and so forth. Those guys those guys killed my parents, so F them. Yeah. And and they're a big bat god. I hate that too. Whenever you do finally get to playing, your character's I guess moral compass or whatever is already kind of developed. So it's it's kind of giving you something like, okay, I see my character's passionate about his parents got killed by trolls. I hate trolls, so 
in this encounter, you know, anything I can do to crap on trolls is uh, what I'm going to do. Now, there is also some cultures, they haven't been touched in the core, but that do follow sorcery versus rune magic, and they are either a monotheistic or even sometimes an atheistic cultures and such. So there is some of that too, but they, even atheism is almost a religion in the RuneQuest setting. So I think the faith thing is correct, but it is a kind of just an umbrella term for belief in a greater power of some sort. So I think Zach is like one iota off in saying faith. Um, I'm going to say just motivations in general. And faith is part of that, of course, because if you have a faith, you know, if you're devoted to a certain deity or certain, you know, tribe, um, that's very important. But there are also other things like that motivate your character so it could be a hate you know i know my last character that i rolled up i had hate at a hundred percent for the lunars um and not only is there that but of course there is devotion and loyalty um so yeah it also means like if your character ever ran into a lunar like it's like no i'm gonna fuck him up it's like what's like i don't get a choice i'm fucking him up yeah, it would be very against my character to not automatically, like, either say or do something against the Lunars because of how they fucked my family over <laughs> throughout the years. You know, I, I was I had no family left. So, yeah, I didn't like the Lunars. And that is also something that develops the story in the game and develops the party as well because... It's like, oh shit, we got to go into that community where the Lunars are in power. And, you know, Brian's character hates Lunars so much. We need to literally, like, keep a chaperone on him and be able to drag him away before he does something that gets us in trouble, kind of thing. You know, it adds. Boards on their face? Yep. I myself, as a GM, would not look at a character as. Having 100% hatred in Lunars means that every Lunar you see, you're going to gun down in the street kind of thing. And because that's, you know, stupidity also. Yeah, uh, no, but, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be that. But, like, I would argue Brian's character would be on edge the entire time. Oh, yeah. But if yeah, you saw, like... Yeah, to draw my weapon, for sure. Right. What I'm saying is, like, if we, you know, are in the town in the marketplace and a bunch of Lunar guards start pushing and harassing some old guy, you know, or something like that, you know, so pushing him around. Brian's character is going to be fighting at the bit to go and screw him over or, you know, ambush him the first time that opportunity presents itself kind of thing. And the other party members have to deal and react to that. So his motivation builds the whole storyline that the party is dealing with and such like that. I think motivation, like you said, could be almost a possibly better term because of the fact that faith or lack of faith or, you know. I mean, faith and lack of faith is almost the same term. Right. I'm just saying that, you know, it covers both of those. It covers, you know, like as he said, you know, 
hatreds, also loves and loyalties. Like, you know, oh my gosh, you know, that we're coming up on the city where my family lives and I have love family at 100% and you can see flames, you know, licking the sky, you're not going to stop and, you know, think about what to do. You're going to rush into the city trying to figure out a way to find your family and rescue them. Man, I want to play RuneQuest. Well, Lindsay, you're going to be our follow-up. What do you think on RuneQuest? I have not immersed myself as much as you guys have so far. But from what I've seen as far as the character creation stuff, I I feel like, I just, I mean, Faith, yes, that that feels true, but I can see the motivation being a good argument as well. But it's, I mean, Faith is such a motivator. It's just a part of it. Um, Passions, maybe, would be the Passions, uh, I think they all are interconnect into the same. I don't think it's far off. I, I don't. I don't think faith is far off at all. I think it it is interwoven into. The reason I went with faith is because there's so many different faiths, and because they interact directly sometimes, either negatively or positively. That was the bigger push. It's not to say that characters don't have passions and don't have drives and motivation. It's just faith is the big portion of that game because there's so many religions. Yeah, I, I mean it's interwoven in so much, and you, you know who you are. It's also a universe where, like, you can touch God. Well, also, too, say, for instance, Brian's character with 100% hatred of Lunars. It is the Lunars' religion that has pushed them and to act in such a way that has instilled this hatred in Brian's character. I mean, yes, I understand what I agree with Brian and the sense of motivation, but motivation, I think if you distill the motivations down, everything drives back back to the religion. And, you know, whether it's spirit worship, God worship, uh, or even sorcery worship, as in some of the um, cultures and such like that. And, you know, it's, everything happens, you know, most of the passions probably do happen because of, either the person you're passionate against was motivated by their religion or their, your love of something could be motivated by, you know, the fact of your religion and such like that. Thank you guys for that. And then moving on to the next system, Warhammer Fantasy. It's a system all about retirement. And what I mean is, hey, everything's covered in shit. Everything sucks. Your character is an adventurer in a world where that hates them and wants to light them on fire, and all you want to do is open a tavern. It's a game where you play certain jobs or careers, and either you get promoted through those careers or you change jobs, and you set small goals and large goals and long-term goals. But at the end of the day, you just want to retire. Yeah, I, uh, I, I can definitely agree with you a lot on that, Zach. You know, it is a brutal world. Combat in that game is very quick and deadly. And ideally, you kind of want to try and avoid it at most cost. That being said, whenever... The the character creation was probably one of my most fun because, uh, I don't know, we just rolled on everything and it just happened to me 
put put me on this like nobleman and whatnot like that. And um, every class has a uh, a ranking between copper, silver, and gold, which is your status in the world there. And um, there's lots of elements of like you know having having a manservant, or you know because you're upper echelon, you can get into swanky parties and vouch for your other people who are copper class. But it, while, as you're playing, you definitely, you know, say you started out as a rat catcher, that's fine, that's fun, have fun with Skaven. But um, you're always trying to crawl out of the hole, so to speak. And uh, that's something I definitely think was a, a constant kind of theme in Warhammer. Well, not only that, it's, it's a game from the punk era, the late 80s, early 90s. And as someone who was born in that era and has lived through that area, the number of jobs I've worked in different fields and got promoted or not got promoted and be like, hey, guys, I just want to retire and not work anymore. <laughs> Can I do that? Yes. Well, it also was it was a British game it was developed out of a high unemployment period in British history. And it might even be more so than possibly more so than, you know, retirement would be just moving yourself up the social ladder. And you're not wrong. Like One of the retirements is like, I opened an inn. It's like, that's not really much retirement. That's like, you know, more stable job. Yeah. And, but, you know, own your own business kind of thing and stuff like that. Uh, but I'm just saying that, you know, I mean, my experiences with Warhammer, mind you, are not with the new system. I haven't played Warhammer since first and I think what it's on fourth or fifth edition now. Fourth. Fourth. And so I'm sure there have been refinements to it and such like that. Uh, but you're right. I mean, it was, you know, you are born in the crap. That kind of thing for most of your characters. You know, rat catchers with a small but vicious dog, uh, you know, outriders and, you know, mercenaries, you know, where, you know, you can start off with, you know, being maimed already, or a beggar, you know, which you start with, like, missing limbs and stuff. Oh, and that brings up a good point. What I think that makes this unique is um, the classes aren't like, oh, I'm a paladin or a um, a friggin', you know, warlock or whatever. It's like, uh, you're a a pie baker or an innkeeper. Like, that's what you are. Actual jobs that people actually have. (laughs) Well, you like, like no, like be- beggar is literally one. Yeah. Yep. But I mean, even in games like Stormbringer, you can start off with beggar and have to stable to see what your issue is. Like, you are missing one d ten fingers, in one d two limbs, <laughs> so, or an eye, or an ear, or you've been you have leprosy, you know, and stuff. And first edition Warhammer had much of similar things, you know, like. But I agree that, you know, it is that you don't start with, like, classes in the sense of uh, D&D, but you start with professions. Which I think gave birth to a lot of the stuff like we see in DCC with the gauntlets and stuff. Or gauntlets, uh, funnels. Yeah. Funnels, yep. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, Warhammer had an influence there. 
you know, like, okay, I am, you know, the pie baker, you know, and I have a knife and a sack full of pastries, you know, and I'm going into a dungeon to investigate what's happening. And you, Brian? I don't have a lot of experience with uh, Warhammer, um, but from every time I hear y'all talk about it, I just, to me, it sounds like it's a game of survival, which ultimately becomes a game of, you know, retirement, because you want to be able to survive that long, because there's many, many easy ways to die. Yeah, no, you can literally have your face cleaved off. Dumb ways to die, so many dumb ways to die. How about you, Lindsay? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I I don't have as much experience character um, with you guys, um, but yeah, I agree. I think it's, I think it's it is about. I I, I think retirement's pretty apt, but I do like Brian's point of sur- survival to the point where you don't have to do this shit anymore. <laughs> In other words, it's a game about modern day sensibility. Yeah, I mean, yes, exactly. <laughs> I survive it until I don't have to just survive anymore. What's the secret goal? I'm retired and not to deal with this shit. Got it. I don't have to feel like I'm constantly trying to, you know. What's that know. meme? That says I want to live, not survive. Basically, that every, everybody, you know, of course, everybody loves D and D. Where else can you travel, get enough sleep, and make enough money, you know, working for yourself to not have to. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I want to live. I want to get to the point where I can live and not scrape and survive. Try to survive. Not punch yourself in the face repeatedly. Yeah. And Warhammer did give birth to the whole grim, dark fantasy genre playing game. Yep. Which I mean, it's literally known for in the grim, dark future, there is only war. It's probably not their best interpretation, but it's their most famous interpretation. Right. But I'm just saying that, you know, with Warhammer Fantasy, you also, it gave birth to games like Morkboard, you know, um, and, you know, versions of that, the grim, dark fantasy settings and such of even, you know, going, you know, pulling forward things like for the Savage World system, you know, Solomon Kane and, you know, that type of setting. So, so. Yeah, I mean it. It can almost, it can almost be, you know, like a misery vacation. <laughs> a misery vacation. And you know, how miserable of a fun time can we have? <laughs> well, moving on to uh, the next system, probably the system we all have the most experience with, at least in this podcast, this room, Call of Cthulhu. My argument is Call of Cthulhu is boiled down to knowledge. You learn facts, whether they be game facts or real facts, and your character has to adapt to them. And maybe if they can't, they go insane. Maybe they go crazy. And even if you accept them, that might lead to other facts that they can't accept and deal with. And eventually they reach an existential crisis where like, hey, do I want to know more? Can my worldview accept this? Or am I happy to remain ignorant? I would agree with that. because. It's even in the system itself in the sense of um, knowledge is skills, you know. It's Cthulhu mythos as well. (laughs) Right. But I'm just saying that, you know, as you progress through the game, you obtain more knowledge. And it doesn't even have to be the 
you know, world shattering knowledge. It can be like, oh, well, my library use now is, you know, up to 85% and my law score is up to 65%, you know, because of, you know, I'm having to do all this stuff in the game to try to, you know, keep the party out of jail or something like that, you know. So, yeah, knowledge is kind of the foundation of, the whole, of everything that happens. <laughs> I mean, that's what... Literally the name, yep. That's what you're doing. Um, it's all about... Um, I mean, library use is one of the most helpful skills you can take. It's one of the most important. And it's library use. <laughs> it's all about It's all about knowledge. And I think I, and the whole, you know, continuously finding out more and more about realms and powerful beings and whether in the whole, you know, push and pull of the more you learn it, the worse it gets. It's all about learning. It's all about gathering information and the information and the, you know, the effects of learning that information and comprehending it and understanding it and what that does to a person and whether or not, like you said, they want to. <laughs> hey, Lindsay, in the major city that you live in, this butcher was known to butcher people and sold his food into canned goods. It's possible you and thousands of other people ate them. Congratulations. You, your character has to accept this knowledge that they yep. maybe ate people as did thousands of other people. Congratulations, have trouble sleeping at night. For for the rest of your life. You're welcome. It's that actually happened in real life. <laughs> happens in Call of Cthulhu based on the real life thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, I was I remember when I worked at the newspaper little guy that the janitor that was still in the meat grinding room cleaning the machinery when they started up the potted meat machine. He they basically buried like 230 cans of potted meat in his coffin. Yeah. I was just going with Carl Guzman, the serial killer, but Sean's over to go into real land. <laughs> hey, look, it's Hormel. <laughs> I did not need that knowledge. Yep. See, this is what I'm talking about. I didn't need to know that. Does that taste like Phil? Sure does. <laughs> hey, hey. Didn't Phil have that gold ring with the snake holding the little Look what I found in my can. <laughs> Look at my spam. <laughs> mm, spam. I love spam. That's yep. the best Cracker Jack prize ever. Mm. <laughs> Therapy? Yeah. <laughs> Fingernails? <laughs> yeah, oh, but... Come on. <laughs> Overall, that is like the secret thing. It's like, all Call of Cthulhu's been like, I figured that out. Like, did you want to? Fuck no, no, I did not. It's like where where you know you you it's like where you're where you ask for a role to see if we've noticed something. Um oh, the intelligence role after the sanity role. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. It's like, yes, you roll a sanity role and then you're rolling an intelligence role or whatever to see if you understand and comprehend what you've just witnessed, and that is worse, usually worse for you than better. All right, humorous story. When my father passed away and such like that, my mother and I were a few days after, you know, waiting for the call to pick up the ashes. And she and I stopped and looked at each other and like, did they ever take his false teeth out? <laughs> his dentures out? Because otherwise there's going to be a hard plastic lump in the center of the bag. <laughs> 
And that that you can at least laugh at, but Call of Cthulhu has that too. Like, like no one can escape that. Like, well, you shouldn't laugh at Call of Cthulhu. It's like, no, man, it's called coping. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't escape the coping. The, the players and characters are laughing to cope with, like, holy fuck, that's messed up. Yep. But you also, you know, you go around people that deal with trauma and tragedy on a regular basis. ICU nurses, emergency room nurses, EMS, cops, prison guards, all of that. They all, you have to have a dark sense of humor or it will eat you alive. I remember um, there was a show on that we were watching one day and it was about the um, soldiers that fought on like islands like Iwo Jima, like that, too. And this one Marine says, yeah, we watched all the um, Australian troops coming off the landing craft, and there was a dead Australian soldier laying on the beach, partially buried, but his right hand was sticking up in the air you know, with his hand open. And, and as they got off the landing craft, and every single one of them um, shook his hand and, you know, wished him the best, <laughs> is that it was only a flesh wound kind of thing <laughs> stuff. As they came rushing onto the beach to be gunned down by the Japanese, but you know it's that type of like you said, you have to either cry or laugh about it. Yeah, it's one of those farcical things. Like I can either go with the joke or deal with the reality that's still going to kill me. Yep. How about you, Brian and uh, Pat? What do you think about Call of Cthulhu and knowledge? Knowledge is power. G.I. Joe! The more you know. <laughs> For real, though, um... Yeah, I'd say knowledge... Unsurmountable horror... That would be knowledge. Knowledge yeah. about Yeah, knowledge about your impending doom. And scraping by. Scraping by is just, you know... You're lucky if y'all actually succeed in stopping Narlotep or Dagon or Cthulhu, maybe. Um, but you're you're always gonna there's gonna be losses. Um, you might not all make it. You definitely probably won't mentally make it. You'll probably be a gibbering fool after the fact. Yeah. Um, so also, I guess there's a a sense of uh, managing loss. Um, and, you know, say I'm comparing to D&D. I lose a character and call Cthulhu. I'm like, oh, I'm surprised that took that long that that happened. Versus D&D, <laughs> well, like... a lot longer than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, versus D&D, like, oh, I died. Oh, my, my buddies will get a Revivify scroll or whatever, you know. <laughs> so... I, whoa, 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 whoa. You can be revived in Call of Cthulhu. You probably don't want to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you can do it. You might have to go over. To, you might have to go over to Yon Pet Cemetery and get buried, but you can do it. Yeah. With uh, Sean, Sean, how disfigured did your one guy get with like mouths on his gut? Oh, he got everything cleaned off of him when he became, you know, the super paragon of Islam and received the holy scimitar. But yeah, he, he at one point had a couple extra noses, mouths, tongues, organs, sensory devices located all over his 13 body. 13 additional organs, if I recall. Yep. He became a space marine, basically. 
<laughs> sure. Well, you can speak this, Byzantine. The thing is that in reality, I agree with the whole knowledge thing, but it has to be stated that it's all about knowledge or the lack of knowledge. That's why that's why I was very specific in just knowledge. Right. Because like, you know, it's a very like regardless of when you like narrow something down, you have to be very specific but where I just said knowledge. I didn't say that you know something. It could be that you don't know something. Right. What you don't know can kill you as badly as what you do know. Probably worse. Um, yeah, I, I'm not going to disagree with knowledge. Uh, I will add in that uh, dread is um, very common. And maybe that's just my knowledge of the system, but it's it feels very jackassy where, you know, like in the second movie where like the joke just keeps getting worse. It's like, oh no, there's pubes on my face too. Like it wasn't just this joke on me. There's multi levels of the dread that happens. Um it's not just tentacles, it's face tentacles. The best comparison ever. Yeah, and, and that's that's the best best way I can sum up Call of Cthulhu is my knowledge that something dreadful is going to happen no matter what. Call of Cthulhu, it's like Jackass too. <laughs> wow, that's not one I saw coming. <laughs> it got in my mouth. It was like, oh, somebody had crabs. Like, oh man, tentacles in my mouth. Or Sean's leg is licking me again, you know, kind of thing. (laughs) Basically, it's, I feel like Call of Cthulhu is like, it's like, knowledge isn't, knowing isn't always the best thing. Well, one thing also that I think is a common thing in Call of Cthulhu too is the idea of, you know, you're facing these dark cards and everything like that. And when you read the stories and such, it's often about not wanting to be alone in the dark. You know, it's it's like, you know, I'll do anything as long as somebody's with me. But, you know... <laughs> Don't go into that darkness by yourself. Yeah. It's not wanting to die alone. Holding the grenade and aliens, you know, waiting for them to get closer. <laughs> Moving on, we're going to talk about Pendragon. For me, Pendragon's all about lineage. What did your father and grandfather do before you as a knight, and what will you do moving forward, and how that will affect your children and grandchildren? What will, what does your honor and glory bring? Brits. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I am Lord Brian, known of the House of Crits. That will never happen again, but it was so much fun. Crits. A House of Crits. The fumble house my son shall not enter. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would definitely agree that, you know, lineages or, you know, family or whatever you want to call however you want to address it is one of the key factors just passions because you have passions and then you what's the one where you're sliding back and forth oh um 
because passions is things like loyalty traits. to the king. They're traits. They're traits. Okay. Yeah. And depending on what your faith is, certain traits are beneficial or painful and such like that and such. So, I mean, it, it again, is, you know. But, yeah, I think lineage definitely. Because, you know, the whole way that it goes into, like, okay, it's wintertime. Everything stops. <laughs> Time to make a kid. Yep. Okay, I know that one's pretty fast because we haven't played enough Pendragon. Seems, I, I think, we haven't, and I think, but I think the lineage thing sounds, and it would make sense for the game. It would make sense for where it's what it's based in that lineage enforces. I mean, the fact that you have heraldry and a name, yeah, it's all about yeah, that. It's all about it. That's the, that's what it's all about. See how my fucking flag has like a flame eagle fucking metal. Yeah, that's yeah. me. Yeah. Not like sad, my, sad, cheating, like failure yeah. chicken. That's not yeah. that's yeah. not on my flag. That's because my great grandfather was a fucking badass. That's why. Like, but you can also create a character like the one that I've been playing in the current campaign. There is no lineage. He is the first knight in his family. You know. He's made it to knighthood, so now he is founding the lineage. The lineage, yeah. But in but you can play like what was it? One of the which um it was where you play like like a whole line of of like the whole the Great Pendragon campaign. campaign yeah. yeah, it's basically you're just playing through. It's like generations. <laughs> you're playing through generations of yep. of your of your family. All I know is when Theodore, first of his name of first of his name of Roosevelt shows up, you need to leave. Oh, yeah. Get out. Your flag's interesting. It's just a big boot. Like, up your fucking ass. What? Yep. (laughs) Yep. Okay, the last game we're going to talk about tonight is Delta Green. While it's very similar to Call of Cthulhu, there's a couple minor differences. One is the theme of government, just like government not necessarily being bad, just trying to stem the tide of this evil apocalypse. Like the apocalypse already happened, we're trying to stop it from wrecking everyone else's life. But for Delta Green, the secret is trauma. The game's all about trauma. Hey, you stopped it and you had trauma. Guess what? That sucked. It's going to continue to suck. You're going to have to deal with it. You save the world. Congrats, Superman. It still sucks. Good yep. job. Yep. And your family I, hates you now. Yep. It's absolutely about trauma. Yeah. I mean, part of, I mean, when you have, you know, when you have your time jumps, you know, when you have, you know, years pass after solving, you know, your initial problem solving with quotation marks um you know your time jumps one of your options you can choose how you spend those years months however long and one of the options is going to therapy i mean it's about it's about it's it's all about trauma it's all about how that affects not only you but also the effects that it's had the emotional damage that it's taken on you and how that affects all of the people around you I mean, and the fact that like you even have a, to choose the choice of a, 
Do you tell your therapist everything? Yeah. And not only that, is it a good therapist? Do they believe you? And are they a good therapist? Or does the GM turn around and say, well, at the beginning of this adventure, you find yourself in this institution. <laughs> or Lindsay, in our first big Delta Green campaign, you won giant quotation marks. Didn't you lose like almost all your bonds and were like a kind of a shell of a person? Um, yes. Well, yeah, I, well, basically it was, I lost some with one bond in particular and then lost some with another, but then in one of the jumps, one of them died. One of the, you had to roll to see which bond, whose bond died and it ended up being one of mine. And then I had like, it was, it, it was a, yeah, it was a, it was a little traumatic. I didn't lose all of my bonds, but I lost a very important one. And so it was a, it was devastating. And not only that, I think, I think she lost her marriage. I think I wrote in there that she ended up getting married and then losing that marriage. Um, because the bond was destroyed. Like, yeah, it was, it was, so not only she lost one bond, but then lost another almost completely because of the marriage falling apart. So it was, it was, it, she was devastated. I mean, it was, you know, everything went to hell. Um, because I think I chose for the first time jump, I think I chose therapy, which if you choose to go to therapy, like we said, it all depends on the roll of the dice, how well that goes. Um, and basically what do you gain from that again, Zach? Sanity back. Sanity. Yeah. And also the fact we're talking about a game where one of the options you have, instead of taking sanity losses, you choosing to damage your brand with trauma. Yeah. Which I did. Yeah. Once or twice. Because I mean, I had, I really had, it was the choice between, and of course with the sanity, once you reach a certain level, it's your breaking point. So it's another, yeah, it's you like, may still have do I go, sanity, do I yeah. go freaking bonkers on the mission? Yeah. Or do I wreck my life later? Yeah. Yeah. You may not go completely insane at that point, but there is a breaking point where it's going to affect what you're currently doing. Or you can fuck up your life because you have become so traumatized by what you have experienced. You're going to destroy every, burn everything around you down to the ground. Um, yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I think it is about trauma because it doesn't only affect you. It affects all of those around. Yep, I, I would agree. Uh, it is about trauma. And I'll tell you something that, that was traumatic during Delta Green was hearing Ian's character breaking bonds with his wife over like mur the murdering his wife and like burying her body in Katrina. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, didn't he like call her one time and just parade her about their daughter like doing OnlyFans or something? Like some yeah. random thing. Yeah, you basically No, no, it wasn't even OnlyFans, it was nineteen ninety, so it was just like, you know, dial up strippers or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Basically calling her a whore and on a phone call with his wife. Yeah. yeah. Who, who he then <laughs> murdered. And then, yeah. 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 That was traumatic in real life, even though it was fake. Yeah. It was oof. Yeah, it's one of those games. We saved the world. Like, awesome. 
How's that working for you? It fucking sucks. Everything that I love is gone. It's great. It's great. My world is destroyed. So, but you know, whatever. <laughs> it's but you know the new season of Survivor's on. That's great. No. That's just so great. <laughs> let me go eat. Let me go nom on my Beretta. I'll be back. Yeah, I'll be right. Yep, I'll be back and just you know. No, it's. I mean, RC's character was fine. He just thought he was somebody else. Sure, he was fine. Yeah. Better than getting yeeted into the mouth of a giant monster. I don't know how giant it was. I'll never forget when I wrote that letter to that to my bond. And then you were like, oh, by the way, she's dead now. And I was like, Damn it. Oh, by the way. Instead of just telling you that she's dead, you have to cross that out on your sheet and deal with it. Yeah. 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 You no longer have any that person. Done. <laughs> cool. Great. Awesome. So now I have only, well, I got lucky. I had two more bonds, I think. But the thing and is. I do, I do think that's the, the insidious great part of the RPG is like, no, no, no. You have to deal with it. Like you personally, the game master has nothing to do with that. Yeah. You, you're the one that has to like eat that poison. Yeah, and then of course, and 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 I love it because you looked at me and you were like, "Well, you're gonna have to tell me later what you what happened." So I, you know, and so I sent you the letter that I wrote. Yeah. Um, and that was me. That was that was you were like, "Nope, that's on you. You got to tell me what what's going on. How do you fuck this up?" <laughs> and I do think it, it makes like Delta Green a more real system. What's the yeah. answer? There isn't one. There isn't one. You fucking suffer. That's, what that's not a good one. It's not good. It's not good. It's not good. Yeah, like you save the world, and like the Star White comes over with like the rainbow flag and everything. You saved it. It's like, and you're like looking over the crowd, and it's like like people like just like shooting up drugs and like crying. Like, sure saved it, guys. Yeah, we sure did. did. We we're heroes, motherfucking heroes, guys. Can we redefine the term "saved"? Yeah. Uh, you you stop the unending apocalypse that you actually can't finish. Oh, wait a second. This kind of this kind of makes sense to this drama because whenever I think Delta Green, I think of um, getting shot in the face. Mulder, Scully, X Files. I think X Files. You're like an X Files agent. And uh, what was um, Mulder dealing with all the time? Trauma from his abduction. Yeah. Well, his sister's abduction, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 sisters. Yeah. By the way, they're talking about redoing the X Files, and I'm super cagey on it. Mm. Re- redoing it as in just rebooting it, or I've yes. heard it's just a total reboot. I'm like, I'm not against it. It's like it's such a '90s show, though. Like, I don't know how it's going to translate, but it is. You're right. It does live. I think that. Like I'm not saying like no, like I'm not saying it couldn't be rebooted. Like that's not not not, not the answer. It's such a '90s product. It really is. It really is. It's kind of like Batman the animated series. It's like we're gonna do a bit new Batman TV shows. Like yeah, but I don't think it's gonna be drawn on black paper. You know what would be good though? Batman Beyond. I want to see a live action of that. I'd be okay with that. Oh, that would be great. Does anyone have any follow-ups for Delta Green? Man, I love Delta Green. Well, Lindsay, what did you think of the conspiracy since you're borrowing my copy? It's so interesting 
I haven't gotten through the whole copy yet. I think I've gotten through like half of it. Um, but it really, it opens opens everything up even more. Yeah, that's my thing. It's like, wow, this is the best just like random lore book I've ever bought for an RPG and I don't buy them. Yeah, yeah. It really, yeah. So when we get to it, it's going to be a while, but when we get to it, when we do Delta Green again, uh, the party's going to look into Pisces. Oh, cool. That's the British version of Delta Green. And when I say look into, I mean you're going to look into them as Delta Green. Oh. Is it like a <laughs> look into as in investigate or look into as in? As in maybe aliens are running that organization and you oh, got to accept, accept that. Well, we're just going to go over the England. It's like, you're going to go investigate a fellow country that has probably one of the best spy agencies on Earth. Cool. That sounds great. I want to do that. That sounds good. No guns. That sounds like hell. Also no, also no guns. <laughs> yep. And if you don't like that angle, you can go. You guys can go look into GRU, the, the, so, the Russian slash early Soviet version of Delta Green. Ooh. So, so what do you mean, no guns? Like... Uh, so there's this country called the United Kingdom. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah. I'm an American citizen. I'm going to bring you over. No, you ain't. No, you ain't. No, you ain't. <laughs> but they, there's guns over there. They have hunters and whatnot. Sure they do. Yeah, yeah. they do. Yeah, Nothing's they, rifled, though. No, they, they, have, they do have hunters, but they don't hunt with rifles. They don't allow rifles for hunting. They hunt with shotguns. And I, well, it's also single shot shotguns only, no double barrels even. Oh my god! They better hope and, they never get invaded. That's all I'm saying. And there is whoa, 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 no handguns. Pat, pat, pat! They will write a sternly written letter. Yes. <laughs> Let me talk to the constable. Anyway, love that Delta grade. Love it. Love the trauma. I say, sir, alien, you can't do that. Okay. Really good. <laughs> oh, I, sorry. I, I, I meant to go to the proctologist <laughs> sorry I left out a group we can look into the karyotechia which is literally Nazis that lived out after World War II in Argentina yep fuckers yep fascists yes yeah I was talking to Lindsay earlier he's like yeah we gotta we gotta face the actual evils like fucking Nazis he's like you know, they're not a bit nice people. Like, no, they're fucking Nazis. Blow them up. I don't give a shit. Yeah, yeah. No. Apparently, apparently, you don't get a Nazi pass with me. Ask the uh, GMs. Way to, way to feel depressed. Everything Trauma. is bad. Trauma. <laughs> Trauma. Now, now I'm thinking of the Lego movie where it's like, everything is awesome. Everything, everything is, is trauma. Everything's therapy if you have a part of a team. Everything is awful. <laughs> Everything's watsy if you're part of a team. Well, I want to thank everyone for listening to us this evening and join us next week for some more Ask the GMs podcast.